The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the flight attendants and the pilots and from traveling around the world. This episode is called, Oh My Stars. And as you can guess, it's about stars. All types of stars. We've got some uh, reality TV stars, some politicians, actors. We've got a singing star, a train star. <laughs> and at the end of the episode, I'm going to tell you about the most impressive passenger I have ever had on the airplane. So this first story <laughs> is a star of the Atlanta airport train. Oh my stars. Okay, so you're on the train on the, in between concourses in Atlanta. It's very late at night and we're going to go to the hotel and we're exhausted and we were the only ones on the train. The four of us were on the train. Well, we thought we were the only ones that were on the train. <laughs> and we were punchy and we were tired and one of the girls was saying, wouldn't this be kind of nice to actually dance with these poles, right? And so one of the girls said, okay, let me try. So they were in their uniform. In their uniform. But the, one, of the other, one of the other flight attendants said, no, 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 we have to do it this way. And she did a pole dance, and she did really well. I thought that was her second job. And she, and she was just going at it, and it was a pretty long train ride. We stopped. And we did not realize that the train, the car behind us, was full of our passengers. And we turned around, and we saw all our passengers in back of us clapping. <laughs> she did such a great job. She even got tips. As we were walking out. Post 9-11, we don't get as many celebrities on board as we used to. They tend to be taking private or corporate jets. They don't want to deal with the security. So the celebrities we have on board are usually minor celebrities. Uh, but, you know, they can be entertaining also. So a few months ago, it was during boarding, and I'm going through the cabin, checking, you know, see if everybody stowed their bags. And I hear this guy on a cell phone saying to someone, bye, sexy. So I just had to look. You know, it's just a funny thing for someone to say. So I look down, and I realize it's Johnny Fairplay from Survivor. He's the guy who lied about his grandmother being dead to get sympathy from the rest of the contestants. And generally thought of as, like, one of the worst 
quote unquote villains of reality television. But uh, I looked down and I recognize him right away. And he says, because he had just said, you know, bye, sexy. And I looked down at him and he goes, yeah, I was talking to you. <laughs> I just had to laugh and walk away. And I went up to the first class galley and I was trying to tell the other flight attendants that uh, Johnny Fairplay was on board and nobody watched Survivor. Nobody had any. They didn't care. But uh, I also have to give you a little background in case you don't watch Survivor. Johnny Fairplay had this like unruly, wild, blonde hair. He's got a very unusual look. He looks disheveled, almost like a homeless look. And I, but also, you can tell why he got on that show because you can tell he has a lot of personality. You know, he's funny. So I had told the other flight attendants about him, and uh, so we were about to do our second beverage service, our last beverage service for the day, and I'm on the other side of the. A cart. I'm on the other aisle, and the other flight attendant on the aisle with him, he's in the front row, says, oh, she says you uh, were on Survivor, and you lied about your grandmother being dead, and he starts joking with her, and he's like, oh, so you watch a show, and she's like, no, I don't, she doesn't. She points over to me, and at that point, I did this hand gesture. He had this kind of silly hand gesture he did whenever the camera was on him, so I did that, and he was like, oh, you watch the show, so later on, he's like, come back and talk, and I'll give you an autograph, and you know I, I really don't need an autograph. I don't collect autographs, but then you don't want to be rude. So later on, he, he gives me the autograph. And again, he says, you know, I, I think you're sexy. And I was thinking, oh, <laughs> a little scary. Anyway, so that was about it. I didn't talk to him very much. It was a, a full flight. You know, we're busy lots of times. I don't have a lot of downtime. So uh, I'm standing at the door you know, at the boarding door and people are deplaning and I'm doing the normal flight attendant thing. Goodbye. Have a nice day. Thank you. Have a good day. Goodbye. Goodbye. And here comes Johnny Fairplay and <laughs> he starts coming in close to me. Like, like I'm thinking, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he comes in basically for a kiss. I was thinking, oh, <laughs> so he has a baseball cap on. And instead of kissing me, the baseball cap rim hits me straight in the eye. <laughs> I was like, ah! <laughs> so I'm standing there with one hand over the eye. Everybody else is still getting off. I start to say goodbye. And I'm like, goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> and he's standing out in the jetway going, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> and he said, uh, smooth move, huh? <laughs> I just, I couldn't help but laugh. I mean, it was just a weird day at work when Johnny Fairplay from Survivor tries to kiss you and instead hits you in the eye with his baseball cap. Strange day at work. I want to laugh. I want to move. I need to live. Wait a minute. So you had something uh, interesting happen on your <laughs> Yeah, I was. Uh, it was after 9/11, and it was uh, during the, uh, you know, when we had all the special procedures going in and out of, in and out of uh, DC. So uh, the passengers weren't allowed to get up for the first 30 minutes of flight. So exactly 30 minutes after the flight took off, I turned off the fasten seatbelt sign because I was watching it on my clock, you know. And uh, so not, I'd say maybe. You know, about a, a little, about an hour after the flight, we were going from D.C. to Atlanta, and about an hour after the flight, I 
I get three dings, which you know is kind of important to answer. So I, I answered the call, and she said, I, "It's not really an emergency, but, but uh, I just had something happen that, I, and I don't know how to handle it." My flight attendant in charge was telling me. So uh, she goes, "I just had a passenger come up, and he, he uh, asked for a cup, and then he turned around and he, he." right in you know in front of the coat closet here and he sprayed my sandwich <laughs> I, said, I said you're kidding me right and uh, she goes no and I said well do you know what seat was he in well his, his name is you know XYZ and he's sitting in 14B and uh, and I know that because there was a seat dupe and I had to get his name and stuff earlier I said, "All right, well, we'll call, we'll call flight control, and we'll get this, you know, get somebody to meet the flight because I'm not having people pee in front of my flight attendants." And then he took the cup and he proceeded to go into the bathroom and he disposed of the cup. So, so anyway, so I call flight control. I tell him the passenger's name and, and I said, "I want security to meet the flight. I want police to meet the flight, and I want him. To, I mean, I don't want him flying our airline again." Time goes by and. I get a ding back from flight control, and they said, uh, that's, uh, that's Congressman XYZ. <laughs> I said, U.S. or state? And they said, U.S. I said, all right. I said, well, just a second, I'll get back to you. It just so happened that the CEO of our airline was on board at the time, and me not being a political animal, and he being a political animal, having just been in Washington, D.C., to been congressmen's and president's ears. I went back and I talked to him and I said, uh, here's the situation. And I uh, just had a guy, you know, congressman so-and-so. He goes, really? From Georgia? And I go, yeah. And he goes, uh, he goes, he peed in front of her? And I said, yeah. And he goes, you're kidding me, right? I said, that was what I said. I said, but no, I think she's very serious. She's very upset about the whole thing. He goes, well, just a second, let me think about it. And he stood there for about a minute or so, and he finally said, okay, just have corporate security meet the flight. Don't have police meet the flight, and uh, and we'll handle it internally. I said, okay. So I got back on, I talked to flight control, and he said, no, corporate security already called the cops. And we get to the gate, and there were, there was about, I'd say about 20 people in the, in the gate, <laughs> in the jetway when we arrived. And then the honorable congressman got off the airplane and was immediately taken away. Our CEO was the first one off the airplane, and he quickly went down the jetway stairs and was whisked away in a, in a car, so he, he kept his nose clean up. But he denied, he said that there was a long line, and then he started making up stories that I came out of the cockpit with less than an hour after takeoff, which is illegal, and so it was all... All our fault, not his. But the best, and it made CNN and it made national news, and uh, the best one I saw was on uh, ABC.com, and the lead story was Congressional Leak. (laughs) Congressional Leak. Yeah, that was it. (laughs) 
And this next story is of a singing star. There are these two flight attendants who fly together a lot, and they have come up with all these funny airline song parodies. And I I can't wait to fly with both of them at some time because uh, I, w- I want to have them sing all their songs for me. And uh, they actually do parties and things. But I flew with the one who is usually the backup singer, but she agreed to sing one of the songs for me. And here she is, my own little singing star. Okay. She was afraid to come out of the galley. Oh my. She was afraid of what people would say. Really? She was afraid to come out of the galley because she had a little itty-bitty drink today. (laughs) Yeah, it was an itsy-bitsy teeny-weeny little sip of a martini that she had for the first time today. An itsy-bitsy teeny-weeny little sip of a martini so in the galley she wanted to stay. From the galley to the aisle... From the aisle to the floor. From the floor to the office. She doesn't work here anymore. (laughs) Brand new hire. Okay. I'm in Dallas. I'm coming home. To uh, uh, I live. I was living in uh, Sacramento, and I'm commuting home, and I have to go through Los Angeles. So I'm on L1011. I'm non-revving, and so I get first class. You know, and I'm like, you know, it's cool. So I go up there. This is back in the days where you had to put your coat and tie on. And I come walking up, and I'm minding my own non-rev business. You know, trying to be. You know, not. You know, just be. Incognito, don't don't make an issue, don't be a, make a scene. So I just I go, I sit down, and I notice there's this lady was sitting next to me, and I didn't really look at her. I just kind of sat down, was buying my own business, didn't want to bother a real person. I'm I look up, and the flight attendant was sitting up there, and, and the flight attendant looks and and sits there, goes, gives me a thumbs up, and I'm like, I'm like going. What's that about? Yeah, yeah I, I said, what's that about? So I'm like, sitting there. And then all of a sudden, another flight attendant walks up to the lady who's sitting next to me and goes, I love your show. And she goes, oh, well, thank you. And I'm thinking, I... No, I hadn't even seen her yet. I, I, I'm, I'm like, of course, now I'm like, you know, I don't want to like just like turn around and stare at her. You know, I'm like, so I'm thinking, I think I'm sitting next to somebody famous. Now, who could it be? And I kind of eyeballed her kind of and I said I don't I mean she's a very nice looking lady much like yourself blonde and I'm like I I didn't recognize who she was but I I could see somebody and now I'm going to be embarrassed because I don't know who she is so I happen to know that her boarding pass was (laughs) on the little armrest but it was upside down so now I'm trying to I'm trying to, trying to look, trying to, I'm trying to read her name upside down, and it said, anyway, it said, V. White. Ah. And I'm going, V. White, V. White. I still haven't figured it out. <laughs> I don't watch, I don't watch those game shows, so I'm a V. White, V. White. What is V. White? Anyway, it was Vanna White.
Okay, so then... So I, anyway, I started talking to her, and I said... Uh, and you still don't know? Oh, no, I, I finally figured out... I, I finally figured out who it was, and so I... I, I when I was talking to her, I said, Gee, uh, my wife's never going to believe this. And she goes, Oh, well, here, let me... I'll sign my boarding pass. And she signs oh, it... Nice. Uh, I had a wonderful flight with you. Uh, love, Vanna. And, of course, my wife at the time was, like, six months pregnant. And so I come home all excited because I had this thing, and it didn't seem to hit a, didn't seem to hit a big, it wasn't a big hit when I got home. She's going, oh, great, I'm six months pregnant, and you're out flying around with Vanna White. Okay, so I'm rather tall, but you're the opposite, right? So you're, like... I have a different perspective on the world. <laughs> and one time, it was um, we were on the Boeing 737 at the boarding door, and we were in Las Vegas, and there was just this sea of mankind coming towards the door, and all you could see were all I could see were shoes. No, all I could see were people straight on, and I knew it was just dense people down the jetway, and. Um, Somebody comes on, they say, Don King's coming, Don King's coming. And I'm like, huh? And then I look up, and over the sea of heads, solid heads, you can see his hair going straight up above the crowds. And it was, it was cute. It was funny. And it was him. That was the engineer in a 727, uh, Leslie Nielsen, popped open the door, stuck only his head in and neck. Looked at the three of us and said, just remember, we're all counting on you. <laughs> and went to his seat. Okay, so you had a select I did, and he was sitting in first class. So was a young man looking, you know, around 20. I was chit-chatting with him on the ground, and thinking that he was up there by mistake. This is what I was thinking, you know, but he was super, super nice. And um, so I thought, okay, you know, well, I better check on this later because he's a little shabbily dressed and young. So. so then I'm in the back doing the service and this woman says, ooh, I see you have a celebrity up there. And I went, we, you know, I look back up there and I'm like, we do? And they go, yeah, 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 Johnny Depp. And it still didn't, it was nothing to me still, because he was doing that show 21 Jump Street at that time up in Canada, and so he wasn't, you know, a well-known name yet. So they said, well, do you think that you could ask for his autograph? And so I'm feeling a little, like, kind of weird about it, because I don't really even know who he is. So I go up there, and I said, well, there's a lady and her daughter back there who wanted to ask for your autograph, and would that be okay with you? And he said, oh, yeah, bring him on up. So he invited them to come up to first class. And, um, and then they said, do you think we could take your picture? And he goes, well, yeah, but you have to get in the picture with me. Now, I had been chatting with him, and so he knew what my first name was. So he said, hey, Janet, do you mind taking the picture of us over here? And then the girl, like, you know, she nudges me. She's like, oh, my God, he knows your name? <laughs> so... But he was so, you know, just nice and gracious. And I heard that he's still that way today. So, yeah.
people will ask me, who is the most impressive person you've ever had on the airplane? And they usually expect an answer like a celebrity or a politician or someone of that nature. But actually, the most impressive person I've ever had on the airplane, this was about 10 years ago, and I was on the L-1011, and we were just finishing up the service, and this man, you know, he's kind of a burly sort of man, uh, asked if he could go into the cockpit because he was a nervous traveler. And I, I was sort of short with him, and it was like a no, you can't go into the cockpit. Nobody can go into the cockpit. You know, you could be a terrorist. And, you know, I later was angry with myself that I was a little snippy with him because it turned out he started explaining why he was a nervous traveler. And it's because he was actually Nando Parado, who is, um, who was in the famous, I hate to say famous, but the famous crash, the alive crash, the movie was called Alive, but it was the plane crash in the Andes where they were stranded for months. Nobody was coming to look for them. They, you know, they thought they were all dead. And these, the, I'm sure most of you know that story, but here is this man who survived this crash. And that's why he's a nervous traveler. Well, anyway, there was uh, two other flight attendants up there and we were going from LA to Honolulu. And he proceeded to tell us his story. And I have never been so riveted to anyone telling a story before. Here was this man, and he still got tears in his eyes. It had been 20 years at that time since the crash, but he was explaining, you know, I'm sure most of you are familiar with it, but they actually had to eat the dead people from the crash because they had nothing else, and it was... The, the circumstances that these people went through and what they survived is just nothing more than heroic and miraculous. And to hear him tell it, he still got tears in his eyes. He was saying, you know, it wasn't just eating people. It was eating friends. They were a soccer team. They knew everyone. Um, the idea of eating your friends is just, just something that no one should ever have to go through. And here he was telling the story. And I hadn't seen the movie. And I hadn't read the book. And um, he, he was such a wonderful, inspirational man. He was actually going to Hawaii to do an inspirational talk. But he did not explain when he was telling the story that he was the one that saved them. He was the one. I realized later I went and um, rented the movie and I, I read the book. And, went, and I read the book. I can't tell you. I mean, it's an emotional book anyway. But when you put a, a face and, and, you know, the emotions that since you met them on the airplane behind it, I just cried my eyes out reading that book. But um, when I'm reading the book, I realized that here he was, and he didn't tell this part of the story, that he was the one that saved them. There were two of them that decided to finally climb over the mountain without the right shoes, without the right equipment, without any food, because they realized nobody was ever coming to save them. So he and another friend 
climbed that mountain. The fr- friend ended up getting sick. He ended up having to carry the friend. So not only is he trying to climb up and down a mountain, carrying his friend who's sick, they finally reached somebody. You know, they thought they were like homeless people. The first people they found like ran from them. And he was the one that saved them. And it, it was just so emotional listening to his story. And I don't care what celebrity or politician you have on board. (laughs) It is not as impressive as what this man did and what he went through and what he survived and the attitude he carries with him to this day. If any of you are interested in reading his own personal account of that crash in the Andes 30 years ago, the book is called Miracle in the Andes. And I have a link for it at the bottom of my website. In case you don't know, my website is at www.bettyinthesky.com. And that's about it for this star-filled episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye. Bye.